Um, some of you know, many of you maybe don't know, I've been sick for a while. I'm probably going on almost the end of five and a half, almost six weeks. Um, started off right after the marriage conference. We had this amazing marriage conference and things were just breaking out. It was it was beautiful. And just between Heather and myself and our marriage and our family and just the presence of God was just so thick and we were just doing this fast and this fast was amazing. And we were 15 days into this fast and it was like a cruise metal missile hit the side of a train. It just completely derailed me. Nothing, nothing, no, you know, build up to it. I just all of a sudden, bam, I got a hundred of a, like a fever, uh, a fever of like 102 and I'm shaking and I can't do anything and I'm weak and it was just out of nowhere. And I went to the doctors and, and uh, they didn't know, they didn't tell me what it was if they didn't know what it was. Hey, you got a virus, congratulations. And it just lasted and lasted and then from there it went to, <coughs> I got pneumonia on top of that, which was wonderful. And then it started with the coughing and just the just the extreme coughing where you're throwing your back out and you can't move and you got to go to a chiropractor and you're pulling muscles in your back and um, coughing so much that I lost my voice and then pneumonia cleared and then I got a bronchial infection. So it's just like one thing after another. And it's really been testing me and it's really been testing, I know, our family. And my one son, Gideon, he's he's been, I mean, my whole family's been praying for me every day. They're all laying hands on me and praying for me. But Gideon was saying something to me. Um, He's like, Dad, I don't understand. I keep praying and we keep praying and you're not getting healed. And he was really distraught because, like, I'm, I'm literally curled up in a ball, just coughing and coughing to the point where, like, I'm throwing up. Never had a stomach flu, nothing like that. It's just you cough so much that you just start throwing up. <coughs> and so he's just really distraught. And he's like, I don't understand what's going on. And I really clearly heard the Lord say to me, it's unto something. And that's kind of the, the title for today. It's unto something. In that moment, I was explaining to him, we have a choice. And as I've been praying through this, now I haven't read Job in probably about a decade, um, but I do, I love Job. But this verse from Job came back. Actually, two verses came. One was where Job's wife lovingly told him, curse God and die. And <laughs> the other is where Job says, though you slay me, still I'll follow. And so as I was just pressing in, it occurred to me, this is unto something. And there's two options on the table. The one option is accusation. Now what, I, what I'm going through, it, or I've had, it's nothing. It's trivial. It's Honestly, it's minute in the grand scheme of things. 98% of the world is, is suffering with something far worse than a flu and pneumonia. It's not a big deal. I mean, it sucks in the moment, but it's nothing. But even this nothing is unto something. And everybody goes through stuff. Every person in this room is going through stuff. None of us escape it. Sickness, marital issues, work issues, life issues, kid issues, school issues, whatever, peer issues. Even just personal crisis and just who am I with God issues. It's unto something. There is always fruit. Out of every circumstance comes fruit. Every circumstance bears fruit. We have negative ungodly fruit or we have this amazing ripe 
God fruit. Which one we go to, whether we agree with the statement or not, is up to us. Is up to us. Take Paul and Silas in prison. These guys, these guys aren't being treated. It's not like one of our jails here. I used to work at a, as a correctional facility. It's not like it's not like what we have. It's not nice. It's not you know three square meals out to the gym. Here's your protein powder. Go out, pay handball, have a good time, build your build your business, your meth lab. You, can, you know it's like a little conference for people where they can go and make new connections and they get out and they build their business. It's not like that. This jail, you think of a dungeon. And a bunch of guys chained to walls with rats and cold and damp and wet and they're being beaten and tortured. Loving Jesus and proclaiming the gospel. And yet in the midst of it, what are they doing? What does what the word say they're doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. They're entering in through this doorway and they are worshiping. They're pressing in. It's unto something. It is unto something. They have a choice. They could curse God and die and go, God, who are you? What is with this? Like, what the heck, man? I quit. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And they could get up and leave. But they don't. They press in. With the youth, we've been talking a lot about (laughs) the nature of pressing in and what it looks like to press into the presence of God. And in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of everything that's, that's out of control, they press in into worship and they make a declaration. And what happens? So often what happens, God shows up. In the midst of it, God shows up. Oops, I lost my page. All right, so we have these two options. Satan hates you guys. He hates you. You know what? I love what Todd says. He says, Satan is bitter. He's jealous. He's depressed. I love it. Because he is. He is angry because his life will never change. He has zero hope. He has no hope. Nothing will ever change for him. He is doomed to the pit for all eternity. And he, he, he loathes every one of us. Because we represent something. We walk in something. We carry something. And that something is Jesus. That something is the spirit and the presence of the almighty God. And he will do whatever he can. He will whisper. He will lie. Because that's all he can do. To take as many people with him as possible. But, beloved, we are not subject to the lie. We are not subject to to the lie. Don't believe the hype. Old rap song from the 80s. <laughs> For those who might know that. <coughs> Alright. We have two options. We can come into agreement with, with the word of the accuser. Because that's what he is. He's called the accuser of the brethren. We can come into alignment with the accuser of the brethren. And in the midst of trials... Whatever you're going through, in the midst of chaos, we can go, God, where are you? And we can despair. And he's right there whispering, who is this? Like, what the heck? You deserve better than this. You've given him your life. What's going on? And we can align ourselves with the accusation and go, God. And when we do that, we elevate ourselves above him and his truth. 
and we elevate the lie and the despair above who God says he is, who is just and a good and loving father. He doesn't promise we're not going to have problems. He says the opposite. In this life, you're going to have problems, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. The promise is not that I'm never going to get sick. The promise is not that I, I may never go bankrupt. The promise is not that I'm always going to have a job. The promise is not that I'm always going to have a whatever, you know, healthy life. I'm not going to be persecuted. That's not the promise. The promise is, you know what? These things are going to happen to us. But I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And the one who's overcome the world lives where? Pardon? In us. And he has called us what? One word. Starts with an O, ends with comers. Overcomers. He has called us overcomers. Not because of who we are. Nothing to do with with who we are. It's to do with who he is in us. Is this too loud if I hold it like this? Am I like getting a lot of feedback and stuff? It's okay. Okay. Is that better? Aaron, is that okay? Can Can you adjust it? You'll fix it. Thank you. You're a good man. All right. So here we go. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. And the English Standard Version says set your minds on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in heaven. God. <coughs> there is a belief right now. It's been there for, I don't know, umpteen generations, and it'll continue on. That we are slaves to our flesh. That we are slaves to our circumstances. That we can take a break from Christianity. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no taking a break from Christianity. Either you are or you are not. Either you represent or you do not. As a Christian, I don't get to go, you know what? I have a right to be ticked off. I'm going to be ticked off today. I could do that. But who am I of when I'm doing that? It ain't of Christ. When I gave my life, which means my heart, which means my mind, which means my soul, which means my spirit, which means my family, which means my work, which means my future work, which means my grocery shopping, which means my which means everything. When I gave my everything to Jesus, I die. When I'm baptized, I am dead and I'm raised new. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer have a right to go. Yes, 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 but I'm entitled to my anger. You know what? You're not entitled to your anger anymore. It died at the cross. It's dead. Let it be dead. You are a new creation in Christ. I have so many conversations with people. And it'll go it'll go an hour, hour and a half. And I'll be talking to them and every second sentence is like, yeah, but. Yeah, but you don't understand what happened. Yeah, but this person, he stole from me. Yeah, but. And I'm like, do you hear what you're doing? What? Every time I make a declaration of who God is, 
or who you're, who you're called to be in Christ, your rebuttal is, yeah, but. I want to justify why I am here in this moment. I want to justify why I can be bitter, why I can be angry, why I can be unforgiving, why I can be aloof, why I can be all these things. But the truth of the matter is, when you've given your life, you're dead. And dead people don't get angry. Yeah, you know what? It'll happen. But in that moment, I mean, you can ask my kids, do I get angry? Yeah, sure, sometimes. But you can also ask them and they'll tell you that I'm very quick to come back to them probably within a couple of minutes and say, I am sorry for my anger. Please forgive me. Because in that moment, I might go, but I have a choice. I can walk with something that is dead and I have no right to, or I can walk with my new nature. Are you guys getting this? Am I making sense? A lot of blank stares. Very quiet. Some crickets chirping in the back by the bush. <coughs> Gratitude, hope, and faith. Has anybody here ever experienced where you're feeling disappointment or disapproval or anger with a person, a spouse, a loved one, a child, something like that? Anybody ever experienced that before? No? Nobody? This is good news. This is good news. All right. In that moment, something the Lord showed me, and he catches me on all the time. As soon as I start to slip into something, I am dead to this. I am alive to Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not an earthen vessel holding on until Jesus comes back to rescue me from the big bad devil. That's not who I am. I am currently seated in heavenly places. I have a choice. I can live in my circumstance or I can live out of my spirit man who is currently seated in heavenly places. I have a choice. You have a choice. So in that moment when I'm upset, if I'm, I don't know, upset with Heather for something, which never happens, what I'm reminded of instantly, and I do this all the time, which is not me, it's like totally glory to God. Spirit of gratitude, I tell you guys right now, this is an amazing key. Get it. The spirit of gratitude. I'll be angry about something. I'll be upset about something. I'll be offended or hurt or whatever it is. I feel rejection. And instantly, it's like God says, gratitude. And I will look at her and I will go, God, thank you for my amazing wife. God, thank you for my beautiful wife. God, thank you for her heart that delights in you and that she pursues you. And once you stop, beloved, you can't stop. I mean, once you start, you can't stop, honestly. It's like you get going, and it's like a spirit rises up within you. It's a spirit of worship, and it's a spirit of praise, and it's a spirit of gratitude. And it's the heart of God. It's it's the mind of Christ that rises up within you. Are you guys catching this? And you step into the spirit of gratitude, and you make a declaration. And before you know it, your entire circumstances, I mean, my physical circumstance hasn't changed, but my spirit has changed. And I'm no longer in a place of accusation. And I'm no longer in a place of resentment or bitterness or rejection or hurt or whatever it is. I'm now over, overwhelmed with a spirit of gratitude. And I start praising. And things change. That's the promise. We're not slaves to our circumstances. The other word I keep getting, just during this time, that this little season of 
sickness. And I love it. I said, he's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He has prepared a table before each one of you in the presence of your enemies. During the marriage conference that we were at, um, we were sitting at our tables, and I had this really cool picture. I got to share it with our little group of Heather and myself. And the two become one flesh. It's a three-strand cord. And the two of us, we were in a spiritual battle. And it's kind of like Lord of the Rings kind of thing. You have like all these demonic spirits around you coming at you with their, you know, they all want to take you out. They want to kill you because they hate you. That's all, that's all they feel is hate. That's what they want to do. And so in this picture, in this vision I had, <coughs> Heather and I were, were together side by side and we're fighting. And there's like this, if you can imagine, like a giant... Um, cliff face right behind us and it's, it's going up. It's like 150 feet. And so our backs are protected. See, God's got our back. And it kind of curls around us. And so all we're doing is guarding each other and the enemy only has a slight window that he can come through and it's just in front of us and we can see him. And as the enemies are coming at Heather, I'm helping her fight it off. And as they're coming at me, she's helping me fight them off. And we work together Right? And the Lord reminds me that he has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And it goes from fighting in the spirit to the hordes of hell are all around us and we're now seated at this table with Jesus. And there's chaos and anarchy all around us. But guess what? They can't get to me. They can't get to her. Because we are in the presence. We are in the secret place of the living God. With the youth, a number of weeks ago, I did a cipher. And you, know, you guys know what a cipher is. You know what a cipher is? It's like a code, right? <laughs> and so I had like probably about 20 different scriptures they had to go to and they had to find certain letters and it, and it came out to a sentence. And the sentence was really simple. The answer is always more of Jesus. Exclamation point. It's really simple. No matter the circumstance, the answer is always more of Jesus. The answer is more of the presence of God. More of the presence of God. Remember hearing Bill Johnson talk? This was like seven years ago, probably 18 years ago. Um, I think it was a series called Maybe it was The Call. I'm not sure. Something like that. And he was he was talking about <coughs> how God answered in the Old Testament. It's like Jerusalem is under siege, and the prophet comes. The Lord says He will give you pools in the wilderness, and the people are like, "What the heck? Pools in the wilderness? Great! We're under attack by the Philistines, and we're going to get pools in the wilderness." And then something else will happen, and somebody will speak up and says, "He'll give you streams in the desert." It's His presence. It's his presence. The answer is always more of his presence. When we press in through our circumstances, no matter what they are, it's like pressing in during worship. He, he is as near as turned attention. We can be as close to the... It doesn't feel like it. Beloved, it doesn't feel like it. Often I'm, 
I'm in anguish going, God, you said that I could be as close to you as I want to be, and I want to be a lot closer than I am, but I'm not feeling close in the moment. Now we come to the crossroads. What I'm saying is true in that moment. Okay, you guys track with me here, right? <coughs> this was happening to me two weeks ago. God, who am I? Like, what the, like, what's going on with my life? I want to be so much closer to you than I am. What's holding me back? I'm sick. I'm this. I'm that. And now I'm at a crossroads. Curse God and die. Press in. It's not a big life crisis. But it's something that's happening within my spirit. Are you guys tracking with me? Just because my circumstances are true doesn't make them godly. Does that make sense? Sort of? Okay. Just because my circumstance at that point was I'm going through a bit of a crisis going, God, who am I and where are you when I want more of you and your word says I can have as much as you as I want and I just need to keep on banging on the door and you're going to answer. I need to keep on pressing in and you're going to answer because you want to answer. But my experience in that moment is I feel distant from the presence of God. So in that moment, my experience is true. Okay, track with me here. It's when I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. But my feelings don't come into alignment with God's truth. Does that make sense? My circumstance says I'm not as close to God and I feel aloof and he's distant from me and he's rejecting me. God's word says the opposite. And absolute truth says that I can have as much as him as I press into and he delights in me and he wants relationship with me. He wants to delight in me. He wants to pursue me and he wants to be pursued. That's his truth. You guys tracking? Okay. <laughs> so in that moment, I have those two options. I'm going to flip over to, I don't know how I got to Romans. I'm in Romans somehow. Right, I'm going to go to Galatians. I'm going to go to Galatians 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And they go on to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Those who belong to Christ, this is so good, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm going to read that again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, put your hands up if you belong to Christ Jesus. So pretty much everybody in this room who has crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. <coughs> Going back to the, the title, sermon title, Unto Something. When we have crucified our flesh, we come against circumstances. It is always unto something. It will always bear fruit 
if you're in high school and you have peers who are, hey, come on out and smoke with me, you know, come out and drink, come out to a party, come out to a rave, come out to whatever. Now pot's become such a popular thing. Let's go out and smoke some weed before class. Yay, good stuff. No, not really. It's unto something. It seems innocent, seems harmless maybe to whoever. To me, no, it doesn't. But it will produce fruit. It will produce life. Not really. It will produce death. Absolutely. It's always unto something. (coughs) When we've crucified our flesh, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. This is so good. I love this stuff. It's so good. We've crucified our flesh with his passions and desires. So now we're supposed to live by the Spirit. We are called to live by the Spirit. Let's stand up so I can see everybody in the back there. Hi, everybody in the back. All right. Question. Does me taking a day off from Christianity because I want the right to be angry at my wife or I want the right to be offended by what my boss says, does that look anything like living by the Spirit? And this is not a condemnation thing, beloved. This is absolutely not. I go through this all the time. Okay? This is, this is normal Christian living. Is this living by the Spirit? Yes or no? Okay. Living by the Spirit is completely the opposite. It's unto something. And I know I keep saying the same thing over and over and over again, but this, this, is, this is paramount that we get this. This is critical that we get this. As the body of Christ... As men and women of God, each one of you has a calling. Each one of us has an anointing that we carry, which is different than the person beside us. When Suzanne goes into the grocery store, she's carrying an anointing and carrying a calling on her life. She carries the kingdom of heaven with her, whether she knows it or not. When she goes into no frills, the kingdom of heaven goes with her. There's angels parading around no frills with her. If there's a sick person there, she has authority to pray for that sick person. If there's a person that she just wants to minister to or talk to, she has authority to do that. She's called to do that. We're all called to do that. Our job, our lives are our ministry. When you go to the gas station, you're actively in ministry. You don't have to be standing up here with a microphone or up here with the worship team or have a platform to be in ministry. Every person in this room is called to active ministry. And I've, I've, I've heard some sad things in the past where I've talked to Christians and they're like, no, 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 no. I do not do evangelism. Uh-uh. I never tell my neighbor about Jesus. But the word says, no. It will offend them and hurt their feelings. But Jesus called you to, no. You don't understand. That's not the time and the age that we live in anymore. I will never tell my neighbor about Jesus. And I'm just like, oh, dang. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Because one day we will give account. One day we will stand before an all-powerful, fearful, terrifying, but holy God. Again, I'm not trying to be condemning. I don't want to make anybody cry. (laughs) But when we go out, we carry something. We are called to be salt and light. And I know I'm kind of going off the topic of what I was talking about, but that's okay. Every moment... We have a decision and we have an option. Go with the flesh, which is dead, which is crucified, or go in the spirit. And if we're going to go in the spirit, that means that we need to make ourselves available to the spirit. Do you guys understand what that means, what I'm talking about? 
I know a lot of you do. What that looks like is me simply going, and this is something else we've talked a lot about with the youth. (coughs) The word is being intentional. To invite the present, whoa, to invite the presence of God into our moment by moment. Stephen was talking on Tuesday. It's such a good word. I encourage everybody to go on Tuesday because it's awesome. He was talking about the suddenlies of God. And it's an, it's an amazing, amazing way to put it. We have the opportunity as sons and daughters of the living God to invite God into every moment. And that is when you get the suddenlies of God. When you're in the grocery store and you go, God, I'm inviting you into this moment as I go into Walmart. If you want to do something through me, as terrifying as that might be, and as much as I don't want to do anything right now because I don't feel comfortable or I'm having a bad day, I am going to avail myself to you and say, in this moment, I am open to your suddenlies. In this moment, if you want me to talk to somebody, I will. It's what we're called to, beloved. Every one of us is called into ministry. Every one of us is called to walk in step with the Spirit. You guys getting this? I know I'm kind of like two different places here. But it does merge. It does join together. (coughs) I'm just going to read a couple of verses. And then I think I'll be done. Nice. I want to go back and worship. <coughs> Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. This is my paraphrased version. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Galatians 5.1 for freedom Christ set us free. Stand forth then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Colossians 1, 3. Seek things above. Set your minds on the things of Christ. Set your minds on the things above. You guys seeing a theme here? We can make every excuse under the sun to walk in the flesh and to feed the flesh and to feed my pet anger or my pet hurt or my pet rejection. But I'm here to tell you that is not who you are. It is not who you were called to be. You are sons and daughters of the living God. And I know pretty much every time I preach, I end up on the same topic. But it's because it's important. And it's because we need to get it. Because until we get this, we won't be free to change the city. Because we're dragging these chains around with us. It says, I suck. Or my life is miserable. Or I've been hurt. Or somebody rejects you when you speak to them and you feel offended so you don't talk to anybody ever again. It's okay if somebody says no. It's okay if you go to pray for somebody and they say no thanks. 
or they swear at you. You know what? Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Great is your reward in heaven. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. What it does in you is one of two things. It produces godly fruit, or you can shrink back and go, I'm never doing that again. Does that make sense? I don't want to go too long here. I'm going to run out of time. I'm really sorry for all the talking. Okay. I'm going to read one last passage. It's Romans 6, which I know I've read many times before. Have you forgotten then that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives since we have been united with him in his death. We will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Guys, Sin has lost its power in our lives. I'd like everybody to say that. Sin has lost its power in my life. That was a mangled mess. We'll try one more time. Sin has lost its power in my life. Is this truth? If this is true, and sin has lost its power in my life, rejection has no place in my life. Offense has no place in my life. Bitterness, anger, envy, all these things have no place in my life. Guys, this is glorious. We're not two separate people leading two separate lives. I am a new creation. One person, woo, sorry about that. One person In Christ Jesus, currently seated in heavenly places, living out of my flesh or living out of my spirit? Spirit. So good. All right, I'll go back to that. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, that sin might lose its power in our lives. I love this. We. We. Put your hand on your chest. Okay? Me. I. I'm no longer a slave to sin. For when I died with Christ, I was set free from the power of sin. Guys, that's Romans 6, verse 7. Get it in you. Get it in you. And live out of that. Because when we live out of that, those two options become real simple. When I go through sickness, when I go through an issue, I'm not going to curse God and die. Because sin has no place in me. I'm going to press into the bosom of God. I am going to press into the presence of God. Father God, thank you for your presence here, Lord. Thank you for the fact that there's angels dancing in the balcony during worship. 
Thank you, God, that your spirit is so heavy and weighty in this place and that you delight to hang out with your children and that you have set us free from the bondage and the yoke of sin and the slavery which we once aligned ourselves with, God. And you have set us free and you have said we are no longer these things, but we are your sons and your daughters and that we are free to walk in the spirit. We are called to walk in the spirit. You have chosen us to walk in the spirit and to represent you to the world, to represent you in the stores, to represent you in Port Alberni and to see transformation in our city. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are in us. And the fact that you do delight in your children and you delight in your sons and your daughters and you are thrilled and tickled pink to have us go out and to be salt and to be light in your name, to see your son glorified. Would you put this in us? Would you put a fire? I love that song, put a fire in my soul. God, would you put that fire in our bellies? Would you put that fire in our spirits, God? that we would burn with something new, that we would burn with an all-consuming fire and a passion and a hunger and a yearning for the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen.